Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, welcome back. Tom Karen, Lou Merloni here. TC filling in for Mutt. We're breaking it down on a Thursday following 4th of July. We're talking a little NBA hoops. Leading up to the man from Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix, who now joins us. Chris, pretty busy time so far this first week of free agency, no? Yeah, as it usually is. I mean, you know, this is usually the busiest time of the year, including the trade deadline week. So it's it's uh, it's busy, but it's not at all that surprising. You know, I wanted to ask you about the first the Jason Terry signing. You know, when I look at this team and everybody, you know, we had a lot of talk last year, blow it up, you got to get younger. KG, 36 years old, three-year deal. Jason Terry's going to be 35, three-year deal. Paul Pierce will be 35, he's got two years left. And they're still going after Ray Allen, who's 37, for a possible two-year deal. Not exactly the game plan, but there's really not much else out there, is there, than just kind of sign your own and go from there? No, because, see, look, the alternative for Danny wasn't an appealing one because it wasn't like the Celtics if they said, all right, KG, goodbye, and said, all right, you know, Ray, good luck with the sign no one else. They bought him out. I mean, what they were going to be is a team that finished in the 6-7-8 seed spot because they have talent in Rondo, Bradley, and Paul Pierce. If you ask any general manager, finishing in that area is much, much worse than finishing at the bottom of the league. I mean, at least in the bottom of the league, you can go into the lottery, you can try to rebuild through a potential star in the draft. And that 6-7-8 spot is like purgatory. I mean, you don't really get any better. You don't really get much worse. You're kind of stuck, you know, being a first-round-and-out type of team when you don't really have much direction. Now, they use the cash space they had. They, they really extended this window for, say, three more years, maybe two if Garnett decides to only play two of the three years of this deal, which I suspect. Um, and they keep this thing going. And I think that the moves they've made so far have been pretty good. I mean, I, I like Jason Terry with this team as far as fit goes because – you know, you've committed to Avery Bradley as a starter at two guard. Now you have Jason Terry, who's completely comfortable coming off the bench in any role, a guy that can play either guard spot, a guy that's a former six-man award winner, uh, and a guy with championship experience. I mean, I just I think that's a great addition to this team, and it's only going to make them better going forward. Hey, Chris, obviously when they bring in uh, Jason Terry, your initial thought is, wow, I didn't think they'd go older this offseason. So that's a little surprising on the age front. But you get what they're doing because the thought of not having Ray Allen, that's a huge void. Does this mean they're sort of resigned to not having Ray Allen because they went out and got the jet? Well, they won't publicly say it because publicly they're still courting Ray Allen. But I would this, this significantly hurts the, the Celtics' chances of landing Ray Allen back because Ray's got to look at this as, you know, my opportunities in Boston diminished anyway uh, with Avery Bradley, the rights of Avery Bradley, and the decision to start him alongside Rajon Rondo. Uh, they're, they're gonna, my chances of playing even more diminish now that Jason Terry is there. I mean, Jason can swing to the one spot at times, but the last, you know, four or five years, he's basically been a full-time two-guard off the bench with Dallas. So he's, he's going to fill into that, that two-guard spot. It's not like Ray's familiar with playing the three all that often. I mean, Doc's a creative coach. He could find ways to get Ray on the floor if he had to, but certainly has diminished the appeal of a potential playing time, playing time opportunities in Boston uh, for Ray Allen. So Ray's visiting with Miami today. He'll probably be with the Clippers, I think, tomorrow. I, I think they are emerging 
as more likely candidates to foray uh, than Boston is. Now, uh, Boston still has that money on the table. I have not heard differently that they've taken the two years and $12 million off the table. So if Ray wants to go for the almighty dollar, that offer is still going to be out there. But if he's looking for playing time, clearly the, the possibility in Boston is diminished even further. Now, you're looking at some of the guys they've signed, and, you know, obviously the KG and Jason Terry thing is really not official yet. And the Jeff Green, apparently a verbal deal with him, and you're looking at about $58 million. Now, because they gave out that full mid-level to Jason Terry, they actually have a, a cap hold, right? I mean, a cap of $74 million that they can't spend over. Is that correct? Yes, if, if the deal with Terry emerges as the full mid-level, it's, it's a cap, top cap, at $74.3 million. So now when we start looking at looking around, and listen, Brandon Bass obviously is a question. I think you can bring back a guy like Petrus. You know, one guy I wanted to ask you about was Wilcox because I just felt like he fit real well with Rondo moving around. Do you, who do you see coming back now, guys like Bass, guys like Wilcox, guys like Petrus? Well, Wilcox is a definite possibility. I mean, he you know he fit in pretty decently in Boston. If you look at Chris Wilcox's career, uh, he hasn't fit in very well at all in, in very many places. I mean, he was in New York for a cup of coffee that I saw. Uh, I believe it's Seattle's where he started his career. I mean, he's he sort of bounced around the league like the ultimate vagabond. But there was a definite respect for him in that Celtics locker room, an appreciation for what he can do. Now, I'm not sure that he's on the Celtics' front burner right now as far as priorities go. They clearly were focused on Garnett, then moved on to Jason Terry, and now they're probably waiting to find out what happens with Ray Allen. But Wilcox is going to be out there. I don't think there's going to be a huge demand for his services because he's not a traditional five and he's not quite uh, quick enough to play the four really anymore. So, but, but in a Boston lineup, he can fit in decently and give them some minutes behind Garnett or behind a starting five in that rotation. That, that could be something that could help their depth. Uh, Petrus, you know, it's interesting. He's got some, some, some suitors out there. He's got, you know, four or five teams that I believe that I heard last turn anyway, that were said to be interested in him. I, I would not expect him to be back next year. Now, he enjoyed his time in Boston, but everything I'm hearing about Michael Petrus is that he's got he's generating some significant interest out there on the free agent market. Brandon Bass is generating a lot of interest as well, but Bass, I think after his experience with Orlando, where he just couldn't find a way to get on the floor with Stan Van Gundy, and he just couldn't seem to find a way to mesh with that lineup after an up-and-down t- uh, tenure with Dallas as well, I think Bass has an appreciation for, for Boston and what they've done for his career and how his role with that team is clearly defined and how he knows what he needs to do and how to get on the floor. Now, the money's going to be tricky, but I think if, it's, if, if there's a way to make it work financially, Brandon Bass is going to do whatever he can to get back to Boston. Chris, this whole Brooklyn thing has been interesting to watch this offseason so far. Are they done? I mean, is there any way they get Dwight Howard to Brooklyn? No, they're never done. Uh, you know, <laughs> Billy King is one of the more uh, enterprising general managers. I think probably that's probably the right word that, that I've, I've seen. And I guarantee you, he and his assistant Bobby Marks are in their offices trying to cook up ways to make it more creative to get Dwight Howard. But the the, the opportunity diminished, like diminished by the day, for no other reason than Orlando GM Rob Hennigan from what I've been told, has very little interest in, in what uh, New Jersey is offering. It's basically Brooke Lopez and a pile of crap or, or, or is really what you're talking about. I mean, Marshawn Brooks is a, is a decent player, but he's not quite a building block player. Yeah, they're offering three draft picks. Or if you trade, trade Dwight Howard to the Nets, those draft picks are going to be in the 20s. Uh, every single year. So it's not a great offer, which is why, from what I've been told, the, the, the Magic have made it clear that you need to, to the net, that you need to get a third or a fourth team involved to give us either more draft considerations or give us another player, certainly another team to take Chris Humphreys. That, that salary is going to be needed to make the numbers work. And the, and the Magic, I've been told, have no interest 
in Chris Humphreys. So it's going to take some time. But look, you have to think that the Nash signing in, in L.A. gives the, the Nets a measure of hope. Now, Dwight Howard, to my knowledge, had not added the Lakers to his list of potential teams. But had push come to shove, I remain convinced he would have over time. And if he had done that, an Andrew Bynum-Dwight Howard swap would be very, very easy to do as long as the Lakers – had some draft picks, but they gave a, they paid a king's ransom, really, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, to get Steve Nash uh, from uh, from Phoenix, and that ransom was two first round picks. And Lakers don't have first round picks to offer Orlando. That Bynum offer gets significantly worse. So uh, I think the Nets are still holding out hope that at the end of the day, their draft considerations, maybe if they can get a third team involved to throw another young talent in Orlando's direction, maybe that might be enough to get the job done. See, something just tells me that Dwight Howard's somehow going to end up in L.A. And, and I know, like you said, they gave up the draft picks, but they didn't give up any players, and Bynum is still out there. What would it take? Like you said, they gave up their, what, 2013 and 15 first-rounders. Would it be Bynum and what to get Dwight Howard? Well, it would probably be Bynum and, and, and our test in a swap of uh, Turkaloo, who's got that god-awful contract that Toronto gave him. What is with Toronto, by the way? It's dishing out awful contracts. But, you know, Turkle in that contract in a flip for our test and buy them, I think would be the principal players. Uh, certainly it's very possible some fringe players could be involved in a deal like that. But the key for, for Orlando is drastics. It really is low. I mean, they're, they're trying to get better over the long term. And even though Bynum would hasten a rebuilding process because he is 24, 25 years old, he is arguably the number two center in the NBA right now, they still want to make sure they have some pieces that they can either use as draft picks or swap in another deal that they can, uh, you know, take another veteran off the team's hands and get better that way. And they've been pretty insistent on that. They were during the Otis Smith era, and, and I've been told nothing's changed during the Rob Henning in a few weeks on the job uh, in Orlando. So I think that the Lakers, if they're going to make a deal like that work, they're going to have to find a way to get at least one draft pick, like either from a third team or somewhere else, uh, over the next uh, that, that they could use over the next couple of years to make that deal appealing enough for, uh, for Orlando to do it. All right, Chris, I want to get your thoughts on the Celtics draft. But before that, it was Thursday, my last show in here. Before I tell you whether I liked it or not, we'll just hear a little bit from our show on Thursday before the draft. Listen, I don't, I don't, yeah, there's a bunch of guys. We all know the names, right? They're in that certain area. But, you know, listen, I love Sullinger. And, you know, I don't know if he's going to be there, but maybe the back thing, you know, I think maybe drops him down this order a little bit. And I think, you know, another guy that I, I like, we've mentioned him before, people know, Fab Mello. You know, seven-footer, oh. guy that can protect the rim. I know he's not the brightest bulb. Well, that was Thursday. They got both of Look those at you, guys. Man, baseball guy, basketball guy. You're Chris, a savant, I'm wrong so often that when I'm right, I like to play it again. <laughs> what What are your thoughts on those two? Look, I, I like the Celtics draft, and when I was doing the obligatory winners and losers column uh, for the website, I had the Celtics as clear winners in this draft. When I wrote the mock draft for the magazine a couple of weeks ago, I had Fab Mello going to Boston at 21. I thought it was just a, the right pick for that team. I mean, yes. Fab Mello is a project, and you mentioned there his, his basketball IQ isn't exactly busting through the glass ceiling, but he's, uh, he's a, he has the physical tools. He's a seven-footer who blocks shots, uh, who has the ability, at least the physique, to be a good rebounder uh, with the proper coaching. I mean, he's only been playing, uh, I think, in the U.S. for about four years. So it's not like he's got this wealth of experience 
playing in the American brand of basketball. I think if you coach him up a little bit, and it might take a couple of years to do it, but if you coach him up, he has the potential to be a starting center. And starting center in this league simply don't grow on trees. You, you just, you're not able to get those dominant five men who can defend the rim on a consistent basis. They are rare, and they are sought after. Look at Joel Prisbilla last year. Joel Prisbilla was basically playing on one knee, did not play the entire first half of the season, but there were half the teams in the league that were trying to coax him out of semi-retirement uh, to come back and play. So seven-footers are important. I like the Selinger pick at Boston 21. I would have hated it to anyone in the lottery. Uh, it was just – it wasn't the back issues – that troubled me, guys. It was the fact that Sollinger just has no lift and very limited athleticism. Uh, I know that he keeps Maybe that's why I like Kevin Love. <laughs> he, keeps, he keeps comparing himself to Kevin Love, guys. But Kevin Love came out of college with a much, with a much higher skill set, at least from the perimeter. And in Kevin Love, let's not forget, worked himself into a great player. Over these last three years, Kevin Love has single-handedly made himself the player he is today. We don't know if Jared Sollinger has that same drive. But if you put him at 21 in a situation where he's not going to have pressure, he's not going to be asked to be the starter, he may not even be asked to play big minutes, I think that was a worthy draft pick. I mean, there is a legitimate top five or top six talent in that body. If you can just somehow unlock it, if you can make him a better pick-and-roll defender, if you can increase, if you can make him drop a few pounds, if you can increase that athleticism some, some way – over time, there could be a starting NBA power forward in Jaron Sollinger. It's just, it's just not something I would have taken a risk on very early in the draft. All right, Chris, we appreciate the time. That's Chris Mannix, SI.com. We'll be talking to you soon, buddy. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks, right. Chris. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.